My name is Mikey Pearson, and I'm the director of Emmanuel Kids here at Emmanuel Church. Normally, they keep me locked up upstairs with the kids' ministry, but today they've decided to let me out. So, we're going to continue our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be looking at chapter 11, specifically verses 1 to 6. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you to open it up and follow along as we read these verses. So let's begin. Verse 1 goes like this. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may find a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind, or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will secede, whether this or that, or whether both would do equally well. Now, if I may offer a main theme that we can take away from this short passage is this. None of us fully understands what God does in this world, and none of us has any control over it. Therefore, we should sit loose to our lives and to our possessions. In light of this main theme, there are three points that I want to talk to you about today. So for those of you who are note takers, here you go. This is point one. Live generously. Point number two is to live life to the fullest. And point number three is to live eternally. So let's take a look at point number one. Live generously. When I first read the book of Ecclesiastes, I was 14 years old. And in other translations, this is how I read it for the very first time. Verse 1 reads, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. So this cryptic message gave me a very strange image as a boy. I pictured myself sitting on a park bench with a loaf of bread, tearing it up and throwing it to the ducks. Cast your bread upon the waters, right? But is the Bible literally telling us to throw our bread in the water? I mean, even if it did return to us after many days, who wants a soggy loaf of bread? But as the recent NIV makes clear, this is an idiom, which means to take a risk, such as engaging in maritime trade, sending your grain overseas. Now, scholars believe that during biblical times, it would take up to three years for trade ships to return home. That's a long time to wait and see if your investments were going to pay off. Now, verse 2 tells us that we should invest in many ventures, seven or up to eight. Now, the number seven in the Bible is often used to use as a symbol for perfection or for fullness. So it says invest in seven and then eight, which is to invest your all and then a little bit more. 
Now, whether these verses are talking about sea and maritime trade or business or speaking about life in general, the main idea here is we don't know what the future holds. There is risk in everything that we do. But we are, meant, we are not meant to be paralyzed by that risk. Now, there's a board game that I love to play, and perhaps you've heard of it. It's called Settlers of Catan. It's a game that involves using natural resources to build up settlements. Now, one of the main ways that you play in this game is to skillfully trade your resources with other players. There is lots of risk involved in trading in this game. There are many allies to be had, as well as enemies to be made, both on the board and off the board. One particular game, I was able to get a card that allowed me to forcefully take all of one kind of resource from every player in the game. Now, that is called a Monopoly card. During the game, I waited until I was sure that everyone had lots of one resource. In this case, it was called ore. So when it was my turn to trade, I pretended to be in need of ore, asking, does anybody have ore to trade? I'm looking for ore. And all the players offered up their ore for trade. Oh yes, I got so much of it, plenty of it. What do you need? What are you looking for? And it was then that I played my Monopoly card and I cleaned them out of all of their ore. I made a few enemies that day. And Luke and Lindsay, if you're out there listening, perhaps you can find it in your heart to forgive me today. But just as with Settlers of Catan, the future is uncertain and risk is a part of life. But instead of being paralyzed by that risk, it should free us to live generously. The person who does not sit loose in life's possessions is not wise. In fact, they are a fool. Consider the parable of the fool as told by Jesus in Luke chapter 12. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Consider what God has given you. When a time of blessing comes your way, what do you do? Do you build bigger barns? Or do you live generously? Are you investing only in this life? Or are you investing in eternal life? We cannot predict the future. We don't know what the future holds. But we can be rich towards God now. Often we think of ministry as something that only pastors do or elders do. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers 
to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, ministry or works of service is to be done by all members of the body of Christ. Now, I have found this definition of ministry to be very helpful. It comes from a book called The Externally Focused Church. And it defines ministry as meeting another's needs with the resources that God has given you. I'll say that one more time. Ministry is meeting another's needs with the resources that God has given you. So consider the resources God has given you. How can we live generously in a way that meets the needs of another? Are we building bigger barns with what God has given us? Or are we investing in the kingdom of God? The second point that I want to talk to you guys about today is living life to the fullest. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6 says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether it's this or that, or whether both would do equally as well. So we have a picture here of a farmer who sows his seed in the morning. But does the farmer then just sit on his hands all day? No, it says that he is not idle, because he doesn't know if the seeds will bring an abundant crop, or perhaps the other work that he does will be more successful. So he does both. Now, if we become paralyzed by risk, we will never experience the full life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We never know when the best time to sow is going to be in order to reap a bountiful harvest. We don't know which of our endeavors will be successful, and we don't know which ones are going to fail. Many of us long for success, but many of us also have a fear of failure. But let me tell you this, success and failure in this life is not the ultimate. Success and failure in this life is not the ultimate outcome. When I was in high school, I began struggling to wake up to go to, school, to, go to class. I, was, uh, I would be late or I would miss classes entirely. And as I began to miss quite a few classes, I began to start failing quite a few classes. And after enough of that, I didn't have enough to graduate. So during grade 12, I made the decision to drop out of high school. During this time, I was diagnosed with depression, and I was able to receive the help that I needed. God was faithful to me, and I learned to live in his grace, and not just merely on my own strength. But I admit, to this day, I still have this struggle, this enduring fear of failure from that time in my life. It's these kinds of experiences that shape us. Perhaps you've had a similar experience. Maybe you failed a class as well, whether it be in high school or in college or university. Or maybe you've been laid off or you've been fired from a job. Maybe a relationship didn't pan out how you hoped it would. These things have a way of shaping our lives. 
Yet I know that my identity is not in my successes any more than my identity is not in my failures. For those of us who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus, our identity is secure in him. Our eternal future is secure in him. And nothing can take that away. We should be careful to not live entirely for one thing. For if that one thing fails us, we might fail with it. Some people live their entire lives for their career, for their goal on retirement. Other people, much simpler, they just live for the weekends. But businesses, investments, and careers, and even relationships, they fail all the time. Yet our future and our identity is secure in Jesus Christ, and he will not fail us. Some of us hold our money very tightly, and panic and fear can set in when our savings begin to dwindle. It can be hard to pry our fingers open, but when we do, and we begin to live generously, we begin to be rich towards God, and we live wisely. For some of us, it's not just our money that we hold tightly, but it's our time. We need our me time, right? Or I'm an introvert, and I need time to be alone to recharge. But consider the parable of the rich fool. What if you might be dead this time tomorrow? What then? What could you have done with your time and your money and your talents instead of pursuing comfort in this life? In the parable of the talents, Jesus tells a story about a man who goes off on a journey and he entrusts his wealth with his servants. To one, he gives five bags of gold. And to another, he gives two bags of gold. And then for the last servant, he just gives him one bag of gold, each according to their ability. Then he takes off and he goes on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put that money to work. And he gained five more bags. He doubled his money. So also the one with two bags goes and he gains two more. Again, doubles his money. But the man who received one bag, he went off, he digs a hole in the ground, and he buries and hides his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returns and he settles the accounts with them. The man who received five bags of he brings him to the master and says, Look, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you have entrusted me with these two bags of gold, and I have gained two more. And again, the master replies, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one, gold, one bag of gold came, and he says, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. 
So I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I have returned, I would have received it back with interest. Now, this parable is not just about money, but it's about the life that we are gifted by God in Christ. Now, this wicked servant, he was very suspicious and distrusting of his master. So he refuses to live out his life and have it bear fruit. So the question here is, what is the faithful response to a Christian who has been gifted new life in Jesus? Are we to live our lives insulating ourselves from risk, insulating ourselves from failure? The answer is no, but we are to live generously and to the fullest as faithful servants of Christ. We are not to waste our lives like one who hides his master's gold in the ground. But we are to go and take risk and be fruitful with the new life that we have been given in Jesus. Now the last point that I want to talk to you guys about today is living eternally. In view of life's uncertainties, it's wise to take the long view on the short term. However, sometimes we take the short view on the short term. And in doing so, we have short-sightedness. Now, as a kids' ministry director, I get the pleasure of hearing all the different ideas in which ways kids think heaven is going to be like. Some kids, they want to fly like Superman when they get there. They think that's what it's going to be like. Other kids just want to eat enormous amounts of junk food without any consequences. But we all have different ideas and different visions about what life after death looks like. But one thing I have noticed is that sometimes we think living a Christian life means forfeiting living a life in the present to the fullest so that we may inherit a better life in the future. But you see, there is a difference between living in the world and living for the world. There is a difference between living in the moment and living for the moment. One lives so as not to die, but the other lives in view of death. We are not called to suspend our earthly life now in hopes of an eternal life in the future, but rather to live out our eternal life as an earthly life. I'll say that one more time. We are not called to suspend our earthly life now in hopes of eternal life later, but rather to live our eternal life now as an earthly life. In other words, Christian living is not meant to be a waiting room for heaven. As Christians, we're not supposed to just sit at the bus stop, waiting for the bus to pick us up and take us to Jesus in heaven. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you have put your faith and trust in him, the new life you have now is eternal life. That is the quality of life that we have. Eternal life does not just begin when we die, but it begins today. Sometimes we are discouraged 
by life's uncertainties, and sometimes we are discouraged by our own lack of successes. In our culture today, it is not easy to live with uncertainty and to live with failure. At times, it seems better to play it safe. But Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5 says, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Some of you know of my son Caleb. My wife Bethany and I lost Caleb when he was 20 weeks old. He was stillborn last October. We had several miscarriages over the years, but losing Caleb was particularly painful. The kinds of uncertainties and failures of this magnitude are soul-crushing. But none of us fully understands what God does in this world, and none of us has any control over it. I so deeply long to know why. Ask God, why, why? But what I have learned through great pain is to be deeply content with not knowing. I may not fully understand the work of God, but I can trust that he is good and that he is in control. None of us fully understands what God does in his world. And none of us has control over it. Therefore, we should sit loose to our lives and to our possessions. We should live generously towards God and others. We should live life to the fullest. And we should live with an eternal perspective. Before we begin, sorry, before we continue our time together in worship, let us pray together. Please join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness and your mercy to us. We know that we do not understand all that you do in this world, but we are thankful that you are sovereign and in control. We are glad that you are a good God who can be trusted. Help us to live generously towards you and to meet the needs of others with the resources that you have given us. Help us to live life to the fullest. Father, we thank you for the future that we have, the hope that we have in your son Jesus that is held secure and that no one can take that away from us. Not our successes, not our failures. Lord, we thank you for the eternal security that we have through your son, Jesus Christ. So we pray that in his name. Amen.